Schofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, Cofield and Adam Hill. We're going to talk to Miles Simmons, pro football uh, national insider or PFT NFL insider. Uh, better stated, let's get to it. Big four at four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. What do you make of the Phillies fan base and the Astros fan base? Oof, dumb and dumber. Okay. I mean, is there look, if you're if you're an Astros fan and from Houston, I guess that's fine. But if you're an Astros fan that came around on them recently, like you're just supporting cheaters. Like that's stop. I mean, I get people like to flock to bandwagons, but stop it. And Philly fans? Oh man. I mean, they are somehow some way as bad as the reputation is, they are by far the the prize of this crew. If it's Phillies fans against Astros fans, Phillies fans are far more uh, favorable, but th- there's not a winner. Tickets apparently going for just crazy numbers in Philly and uh, WIP, one of the sports radio stations there said with tickets going for over a thousand dollars a piece at uh, the ballpark, it is cheaper to see the Phillies play in Houston, like actually fly there and fly back and get the tickets in H town. It's cheaper. Well, there was also, I mean, it's not even just a Houston thing. There was a guy uh, that posted that he was at the Padres game and said he couldn't afford tickets in Philly. It was cheaper to fly to San Diego, stay in a hotel, and get tickets in San Diego. And I can tell you, tickets were not cheap in San Diego. I tried to go. Uh, I was down there for game one of the NLCS and tried to go and uh, was not able to. I mean, there was tickets available. It just wasn't something I was going to pay for. So they weren't cheap, but it was cheaper to fly out there from Philly uh, for some people. So, yeah, I, I mean, I believe that. I was checking on tickets for this weekend, and I, I couldn't make it, but I, I was actually just intrigued on Sunday. Speaking of ticket prices, I was looking at tickets at SoFi because when uh, the Chargers game came on, I wasn't going at that point. But when the Charger, for, Charger game first came on against uh, Seattle, I was looking at the stadium, and I was like, okay, maybe some people arrive late. It's L.A., but, like, it was it was not a big crowd there initially at kickoff um Those. at that at that stadium if you had stood outside sofi and tried to buy tickets then you could actually get in for like 50 bucks upstairs was 18 dollars. that way that was the you saw the empty seats at the chargers game or the raiders game chargers game are you sure you weren't watching the raiders how many empty seats were at the raiders oh boy really well I, but i yeah, think I saw, the issue... comment, I saw someone comment the other day about uh you know Las Vegas only supports winners, and I was like, I thought the crowd was pretty good at no, the Al, but it wasn't. It was there was a lot of empty seats, oh and and also just no atmosphere at all in the first half. It got loud in the second half, and they got into it, yeah. but it was almost like one and four off the bye Texans, ugh. like it felt like that. And then the team didn't do anything in the first half to make that change. Now the second half they did. They brought the crowd alive, and it got very lively and into it, and. They were in, which would more support the Vegas only sports winners because when they were losing, nobody cared and it was dead. And then when they were winning, everybody's excited. Uh, But yeah, there were some seats there. Now, I think the issue here 
is that everybody wants to protect the value of their seats and they don't want to drop the tickets on the secondary market right before the game like they do in other places. So I think even right before the game with thousands of seats available, right. tickets were still like 350. That's crazy. Yeah. I guess uh, holding up the uh, the notion that it's still going to be always pricey to get in because people outside the stadium don't know what's going on inside. So yeah. I would I would highly advise if you go to a Raiders game or if you're planning on going to a Raiders game and trying to get tickets before, you better have someone inside who can send you a picture of what it really looks like. Because I got <laughs> I got I got gotten at the Pro Bowl badly. There was oh. like thirty thousand people in there, and yeah. I'm outside trying to buy tickets at the last minute. I'm like, I really have to pay like one seventy five a ticket, and then I get in. I'm like, son of a, there's no one here. You you know what happened to us was a. Uh... USA Columbia yeah. in Glendale, Arizona. It was a group of four of us, and that's all people you know. We were down there, and we said, "How crowded is a third place game in Copa in the Copa America going right. to be? How much are the tickets? Like this could be sold out and oversold." And we we were walking up to it, and a guy was like, "Face value tickets were like seventy five dollars," and he said, "I'm going to give you a great deal, five hundred each." And we we're like, "That might be a really good deal. I don't know." I don't know. Um, no, Maybe. you didn't buy him, did you? No, we didn't. And then it turned out uh, somebody had told us inside there was less than like 10,000 people. Oh. <laughs> so we ended up buying them for like 30 did bucks. Did you go try to attack the scalper? No, we just bought, we bought tickets for like $30, went in, and there ended up being like 30000 It was a good crowd, but nowhere close to seven. do Don't listen to this guy over here. Number three. Number three. Call of Duty is out. It is. Kyler Murray watches on. It is. Well, then, but I, I tweeted this out last week, said this is your last chance to bet the Cardinals before Call of Duty comes out. Right. And then people said it's actually a staggered release where it comes out like some people get it early, some people get it late, and Kyler would almost certainly be one of the first right. to get the version that came out a couple right. weeks ago. What's the story behind this whole thing? So apparently there is, not apparently, I've seen the numbers. The numbers, when Call of Duty comes out each year, which is usually October slash November this time of year, Kyler Murray's numbers before Call of Duty comes out are far superior to after the game comes out, which led to the theory that when the game comes out, he just gets obsessed and doesn't stop playing it and doesn't watch film and doesn't care, and that's why his stats fall off. Now, the traditional thinking has been, hey, teams just kind of figure out the Cardinals late in the season. But the numbers directly lined up to when Call of Duty gets released, and then it was, of course, further added to Fuel to the Fire when the Cardinals signed a contract with him, which has been rescinded, but that said he has to watch a certain number of, hour, number of hours of film every week because he was playing too many video games. So that kind of backed that theory up. But th this goes back several years, all the way to his rookie year, that when the game comes out, he falls off a cliff. Now, tough to do now because he's not really up at the peak of anything. Right. Uh, so there's not really a way to fall off the cliff, but you can watch and see if his numbers do take a tumble. I would imagine he knows this theory is out there. He knows these numbers are out there. Right. Maybe he doesn't allow that to happen, especially because they have a long way to go. But it's something to keep in mind. Speaking of Call of Duty in general, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster said that he played a lot with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and that's how he explains the Chiefs' chemistry on offense this past weekend. I mean, yeah, they're they're in there, they're they're working together, they're figuring out ways. You have to figure out a way to win the battle. That's what they did. It's teamwork under duress, just like the game. Maybe. By the way, I'm I'm back in video games. Are you really? Yeah, I was gone for a long time, but I got a new I got a new system. Okay, so I'm. Uh, what game is it? Well, I didn't. It's it's a bunch of things, but I got the uh, I got the Meta Quest. It's basically the virtual reality you're inside. Okay, it's uh, it's pretty wild. I have no idea what you're saying right now. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't can, know what I'll, game I'll that you, is. It's not it's not a game. It's a system. It's a oh oh the Meta Quest is see what, see what I mean. I'm yeah. like I have no idea. You, you put the you put the helmet on and you're in a different world. Oh wow, okay. It's a uh, pretty wild. How old are you? Video game age. 
number two. It is true. Everyone plays video games. I just, I just don't play them anymore. But I gave them up a long time ago. I'm uh, back. Josh Jacobs with uh, three straight games, over 140 yards. This is monstrous. Really, not a lot of players have done it uh, since 1985. I think the uh, the total numbers around, what, 10 or 11. Oh, yeah, Freeman McNeil back in 85, uh, former Jet. Um, Jacobs is playing really well right now, but it's such an interesting scenario here. If he does put up some monster numbers with 1,500 yards from scrimmage, is he playing his way into, like, forcing the Raiders' hand? Raiders fans will go crazy if they just walk on Josh Jacobs. And then, you know, what What kind of offer comes in? Does someone give him, you know, three years, $39 million with 27 guaranteed? Raiders aren't getting – they're not going to match that, right? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. I mean, if, if, if Raiders fans – get worked up about anything it should be overpaying potentially like that's what you should get worked up about and especially look this is a team that traditionally has used and i don't say a team in the raiders i mean the josh potatoes dave ziggler tree from from the patriots has been a running back by committee type of operation and they have certainly embraced the nfl trend of do not pay running backs and especially do not overpay running backs and they just drafted two running backs in the draft their first draft they used two of their picks on running back and then declined the option on Josh Jacobs for a fifth year. So I've heard some speculation of, hey, maybe they throw the franchise tag on. What? You turn down a fifth-year option and then decide to franchise tag somebody? Now, do you do that and then try to trade them? Potentially, I suppose that could be part of your option. But uh, you can't overpay a running back. And, and again, I, I'm all for paying them. But in the salary cap structure, you just can't dedicate that many resources to a running back, especially when you just drafted to. He, to me, is playing his way out of Las Vegas, not playing his way into a big deal with the Raiders. Who do you think will step up? you have any clue right now? you thinking about anyone? Or is it just every situation's so much in flux? There's like four or five that wouldn't be interested in Josh Jacobs. And beyond that, anything could happen the rest of the season and with running back situations. Would Carolina decide that they need a running back? I don't now? think there's any way they would spend that kind of money. Well, they're going I mean, to clearly they're Tennessee's going to out, Dallas is out because they still have time left on sure. Zeke's deal. There really aren't many running backs out there who are making you know in north of thirteen million. So yeah. he could be a candidate to go a lot of places. There should be a healthy bidding war, especially for people who value running backs. Yeah, I would. I would imagine. I'm that guessing no Seattle. Case. Now, if Seattle didn't have a running back, maybe Pete Carroll and John Schneider would do it. But it looks like they found a guy in uh, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I mean, would we'll see. I mean, the, the Rams don't really have space, but they. May want to have a workhorse running back potentially. Uh, with Cam Akers was the plan, and now he's not no longer going to be the plan. So uh, who knows? I, I think there's a lot of possibilities of teams that might decide to, but there is a shrinking list of teams that are willing to dedicate resources to running back. Number one. So Patrick Graham spoke today, defensive coordinator for the Raiders, and they're going against a kind of a weird set of circumstances here. And when I say circumstances, it's not just quarterback. It's also utility player Taysom Hill, who's disappeared in some games and has been, you know, the guy in other games. And who the hell knows what's going on at quarterback with the Saints? Yeah, still no clarity on whether Jameis Winston plays. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but uh, if you are preparing for Jameis Winston, you're going to be preparing for Michael Thomas. Uh, and if you're preparing for Andy Dalton, you're going to be preparing for no Michael Thomas. It's very weird. Explain that one. So Thomas just know. will not play with Dalton. Thanks. That, that that's the that's a very deep dark part of the internet speculation yeah but it's work it's been the case right every week michael thomas is close then they rule james winston out and then they rule michael thomas out like it's really weird 
So is that what he's waiting for? Him coming back? I I don't know. Uh, but that's a that's a huge like conspiracy thing that's out there. So we'll see if that continues to to be the trend. Uh, but Jameis Winston has not been declared back yet. So it's you are preparing for two very very different players. And Andy Dalton, who likes to throw the ball underneath and check down, and, and Jameis Winston, who likes to air it out and throw it deep. So how are you preparing your defense? Which one are you preparing for? And that's a tough question. And then as you, as you also referenced, Taysom Hill's there, who is a quarterback that lines up on the field different places every single play. You don't know if he's going to be in the backfield, at tight end, at under center. You don't know where he's going to be. So it, it does provide several unique uh, challenges for you to prepare for the, the uh, New Orleans offense. Do they come up with a designated Taysom Hill spy? Maybe, but I think it's more of a group. The way Patrick Graham was describing it today, we're just saying, hey, when he's on the field, it's just a matter of everybody on the defense saying, there he is, there he is, we see him, he's out there, he can do anything. Because you can hand him the ball and throw it, you can pitch it to him and throw it, he can throw it under center, you can just run it. You don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. Man, speaking of utility guys, maybe in the future, you see that Armani Rogers, the former uh, UNLV quarterback, is getting a little more time. I wonder what's going to happen with him. This is – this. I mean, I guess they're rare situations – but the, the more times you get quarterbacks who can you know, move to another position, it does give you some options out there in terms of, uh, you know, they can play running. Hill's unique because a guy going to tight end is one thing. When you can play a little tight end, you can also play freaking running back. Like Rodgers at 6'5 and 240 is not playing running back. And a true tight end has to be a, a certain size. You're listening to the Battleborn Sports Hour in Reno and Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Brady, I'm going to say it, for the first time. Like, I thought, oh, he's starting to age in the Patriots because he didn't have receivers, right? Then he gets to Tampa, oh, he's good. He looks old and creaky to me. He does. Now, I'm not, I, I agree, he will turn it around. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they might win a playoff game, maybe go on a run. But right now, I look to him like, boy, that does not look right. Cofield and Company NFL insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. Boy, that sounded like a very scared sports talk host. Max Kellerman, you remember he was the one who pulled the plug on Brady, like many people did about four years ago, and because it was uh, alongside SAS. And who knows, he might have done it because he was told to, which is you know one of the gems of the talking head shows on TV, Embrace Debate. It's been the moniker for First Take Forever, and Patriots fans just annihilated, and Buccaneers fans as well, and NFL fans, you know, annihilated. Kellerman, because he called for the end a while ago on Brady. And, you know, you heard there, he's like, he looks really old, but I'm sure he's going to make the playoffs. I'm not sure he's going to make the playoffs. I don't know what's going to happen in Buccaneer land, because I think they got bigger problems than just Tom, you know, caring about 80% of what he used to. Might have an issue with the head coaches, might have an issue in the locker room. The drop by Evans was just ridiculous. Miles Simmons is with us. Miles, how you doing, buddy? See if Miles is there. Miles is not. Um, There is breaking news in around the NFL, Adidas finally said, you know what, enough of Kanye for his anti-Semitic stuff. It took him a while. Uh, now others are falling in line. There's been a lot of companies and people who are dropping their connection with Kanye, and now some NFL players are doing it, including? Uh, Aaron Donald was one, and I believe he was the first signee to Donda Sports uh, when Kanye started the agency. What is so, Donda Sports? Kanye's agency. Okay. Uh, so, you know. That, that's uh, one of the dominoes starting to fall, and I think many, many others <laughs> have already fallen and will continue to fall. 
uh, in this developing situation. And I feel like maybe it was what Kanye wanted anyway. So um, he's getting it. And who knows where this ends up? Doesn't seem anywhere good with work if Kanye continues to spiral like this. And I, I don't know if it's a calculated thing or what he's doing. It's ridiculous and disgusting and vile and everything else. But uh, yeah, we, we did see Aaron Donald, uh, I believe Jalen Brown as well, uh, followed suit with the statement. Jalen Brown and the Celtics. Yeah. yeah. AD, Aaron Donald said, Our family has made a decision to part ways with Donda Sports. Recent comments and displays of hate and anti Semitism are the exact opposite of how we choose to live our lives and raise our children. We find uh, them to be irresponsible and go against everything we believe in as a family. Makes sense. Yeah. Are you still going to listen to Kanye's music? Yes. You can separate it. Yeah. Just like R. Kelly? Just like R. Kelly? Just like, by the way, Michael Chris, Jackson? Chris Brown? Chris Brown, yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the SO had a Chris Brown song up the other day in the, in the car, and I was like, yeah. She's like, this, uh, this, this lady singing, her dad played in the NFL. And I'm like, yeah. I was kind of a big American Idol fan back in the early and mid-2000s when, uh, what's his name, was on there? Simon. Sure. So, I'm on board. I'm on board. But, yeah, when Chris Brown comes on, I'm like, get this off. Sucks. I mean, I know you can separate it. Sure. I think you're just feeding the beast when you do that. I guess so. But I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see those. Th- I mean, look, if you hear a Chris Brown and Rihanna song, I think sometimes you're like, oh man, I know what he did. I saw the pictures, but yep. it's a good song. Miles Simmons with us from Pro Football Talk. Miles, we were talking about Tom Brady and Max Kellerman just said, hey, you know, he looks really old right now, but I'm sure he's going to make the playoffs. Is he going to make the playoffs this year? Uh, I think so, because I think the <laughs> NFC South is really, really, really bad. Um, and, like, is it going to be the Falcons that would catch up to the Bucks? Like, I don't think so. I mean, because the Falcons look pretty good, you know? They beat the brakes off the 49ers, and then they went, and then they just lose all over themselves in Cincinnati. So I don't really have much faith in them. I don't have much faith in the Buccaneers either, but it's going to be one of those years where, I mean, they might be 7-10 and 10 and they might still win the division. It's, it's wild how this is going. I mean, is there hope for Aaron Rodgers turning things around? Uh, I mean, yes, but not if he keeps going on, like, packing Pat Maxie and throwing everybody under the bus but himself. <laughs> you know, I don't think that that was a very good look for him today, being like, oh, well, everybody needs to stop making so many mistakes. But, you know, my position coach gave me the highest Great that I've had all season in this last game. So, huh? Like that—that's not—that's not good leadership, man. It's the same thing as Tom Brady going away for Robert Kraft's wedding, not coming back for the walkthrough, and then screaming f bombs at his offensive line on the sideline. That's not good leadership. Uh, people are going to look at that. I mean, no matter how good you are, at a certain point, you, when you're not being as productive as you used to be, and then you're still doing the same things that you used to do, they don't hold the same water. By the time Tennessee gets a new stadium, Rodgers and Brady will both be out of the NFL. Uh, but yeah. why are the Titans going to play their home games at Top Golf? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's the Top Golf, it's the Grove. People have been calling it like all kinds of like a mall. I don't know. I, I think it looks cool, man. I think it looks neat. I'm, I'm in favor of it. And it's basically the Raiders Stadium once you get inside the bowl. I mean, like, that looked extremely familiar, I'm pretty sure, for everybody who's ever been inside Allegiant Stadium. So, except there's no, you know, big uh, eternal flame of life of Al Davis. 
So there, that's one difference. But look, I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be nice. I want to go see a Super Bowl there, Adam. We'll go see a Super Bowl together. How about that? Sounds good. I love Nashville, and this is this is why exactly. they're doing it, right? They're building a stadium yeah. to get a Super Bowl. Hundred percent. Yeah, Super Bowl. Get in the rotation for uh, the college football playoff and Final Four. I mean, it, it's a town that can absolutely host it. Nashville is a great town. I've had a lot of good times there, and you know, I, I think as that city continues to grow, this is kind of a natural progression. Now, I mean. We can go into what the economic benefits are or are not, but I, I think it's more about – it's not necessarily about the economic benefits, right? I mean, you can – people say that to justify the public funding and all those different types of things, um, but it's more about pride in a city and what you can bring that does not necessarily have to do with economics. And so, like I said, selfishly, I absolutely want that thing to go up as quick as possible. Mac Jones is not done Who? in New England, but he's he's the backup now, right? I mean, I don't the, – the whole thing that Bill Belichick is doing right now makes no sense. And, you know, I don't like to question somebody that's got six Super Bowls as a head coach. I don't think that that's necessarily something I should be doing as somebody who's, like, covered the league for only eight, nine, nine years. I don't know. Not a decade yet. But, like, what are you doing? You can't go into a game where you give – one quarterback, 90 or so percent of the snaps is what we at PFT reported last night throughout the entire week, which is Mac Jones. And then you pull him after three drives because Bailey Zappi you think is going to get it done. Now, did Zappi give them a spark? Absolutely he did because they started calling different plays. You know, like they, it was like they were sabotaging Mac Jones. And I don't necessarily know why I'm defending Mac Jones like that. But then Bill Belichick today to be like, Oh, was he healthy? Was Mac Jones healthy enough to play the game last night? He's oh, that's a hypothetical. That's not a hypothetical question. It's a yes or no question. This has already happened. Hypotheticals don't mean that. So, you know, I Bill Belichick gets a lot of leeway, a lot of runway because he's won as much as he has. But what he's doing right now does not make sense. And that's why the Patriots got the break speed off of them. And that's why they don't really have much hope, in my opinion, right now to make the postseason. Mal Simmons with us from Pro Football Talk. Uh, so let's just say Belichick is being stubborn. I'm not sure that's the case, but let's just say he's being stubborn and not making the change. I actually may be one of the only people in the country who's saying that what the Colts are doing by moving on for now from Matt Ryan is actually a really smart move. And it actually is an egoless move because they could stick with Matt Ryan and go, oh, well, you know, we wanted him. We liked him. Uh, Reich was really high on him. He's been terrible. So guess what? To save your season, try someone else. Oh, dude, I no. When the uh, when the Colts were playing the Broncos on the sixth, whatever October sixth, I put it out there on Twitter, and I put this out there yesterday because I am one of those people that likes to take a victory lap when I'm right. The few times that I am, I said that they needed to take the long weekend after Thursday night football where they beat the Broncos, and they needed to figure out if they want Sam Ellinger to play or not because Matt Ryan had looked horrible. He's looked bad all year long. They got really, really, really lucky that they beat Kansas City because Kansas City beat itself in that matchup that those teams had. I mean, they got the break speed off of them by the Jacksonville Jaguars when they went down there uh, into Florida. And, look, Matt Ryan just does not look like a quarterback who can get it done anymore. So, I mean, you see what you have in Sam Ellinger. I don't know if he can get it done or not, but they're going to at least have a better shot at, with somebody who is not just a statue in the pocket, can't move, only throws interceptions, and is fumbled as much as he has. It wasn't working, and they needed to cut their loss.
I, I'm still a bit confused though because they announced that he's benched and they also announced that he has a separated shoulder. And that it was is he is he benched? Yes. Is he hurt? Yes. Yeah. Like, wh- what is it? <laughs> it, it yeah, it, it's. I mean, he's benched, but he be ben- He's benched and he's hurt, but he'd be benched even if he weren't hurt. I, so I went back and I watched the press conference because I was kind of curious about how it came out. And the Colts are one of those teams that actually does not stream their press conferences, which is. I don't know, maybe good for them, but not good for me as a person that is in the content business. Um, so I went and I, I watched the whole thing, and it was interesting the way that it was presented because when all those tweets are coming out from the indie reporters, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, it, you said Sam Ellinger is the starting quarterback. Wait, uh, they said that Matt Ryan's injured, and then even the reporters had to go back and clarify a couple times, like, so – is it Sam Ellinger's job now? And they're like, yes, this case for the rest of the season, yes. So, and it would have happened irrespective, excuse me, irregardless is not a word, uh, irrespective of whether or not Ryan had gotten hurt or not. Miles Simmons with us. We got about a minute left here. I liked your tweet watching the Chargers game. Uh, there's way too much behind the line of scrimmage stuff for the Chargers when you consider what Justin Herbert's arm talent is. This is such a nuanced, layered conversation, but the the, in terms of where the buck stops, I don't. I, the Chargers are not a good team right now. They're struggling. They're not a good team. They're lucky to be four and three. And the thing that you look at with uh, Justin Herbert, the last two weeks, he's averaged four point nine yards per attempt combined in those last two games. That is unacceptable. He's got some of the best arm talent in the entire National Football League. Joe Lombardi, get it together. Let him. Let Joe Justin Herbert be great. Let him throw it. Miles, thank you. We'll see you. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Is it bad that the only fight I've really wanted to talk about the last few months is this stupid fight between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva? Well, I mean, there was like the... There was a couple of fights on Cobra Kai, I think, that you enjoyed. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get to Cobra Kai yeah, sure. in time. There's some great ones. I thought the show was going to take a uh, sick and twisted direction. But, uh, yeah, Jake Paul is fighting in Phoenix. He's the YouTube guy who's actually knocked out a couple of former UFC fighters. He's going to be fighting Anderson Silva, who's arguably you know a top five guy in the history of MMA. He's also pushing 50. He's old. Saw posters yesterday at, at Twin Peaks. You know, we do the, the Monday show at Twin Peaks on Eastern. Saw posters for the fight. Are casual fans going to be fired up about this fight? It's going to be one of those you kind of walk into a bar and you're like, oh, crap. I feel like I've it. heard of that guy. I wonder if it's going to be like appointment viewing for I, I others. Feel, like if they're going to go out and seek out a place to find to watch the fight. I feel like people are. Uh, I mean, I've heard, I've you know got a lot of questions from people about it. That's usually how I can tell uh, how big a fight is going to be. And it seems like people are interested. I don't know how much they're selling it. Like Anderson, Anderson Silva is basically like, I don't care. <laughs> so like, I mean, I, I don't. That's know. always the way he was. Kind of. Does that make you worry though? Because my I, my worry in some of these fights is the payday has been so big, and I'm not a conspiratorial guy, but the payday has been so big for some of these UFC fighters who didn't make the money maybe they think they deserved. That maybe the effort, the focus going in wasn't what it should be. Like, do you think it? Anderson Silva has to care about this fight, right? This would be, I keep saying this before all these fights, Why? but this, this would be embarrassing to lose to some guy off of YouTube. I, I don't There's know. No if pride would. anymore? Well, I don't know. For a 50 year old guy that's just collecting a check, like, I don't, I don't know how much he cares. Like, it does matter more 
Jake Paul wants more fights. He's the one that can't get knocked out and embarrassed because right. it, it ends the train. And on the other side, what what do you, you are you trying to set something up? Like, oh, if you win, you get this other big fight. Like, no, you're just you're collecting a check. And all right, cool. Like, I, there is some pride pride level, I would assume, but at the same time, it's a different sport. I mean, if you know you're you're going in, and I, I know there are some people that say like, oh, he's this great striker, like he is, but a, an MMA striker, which is very different. When somebody has to be alert about kicks and potential takedowns and jujitsu and wrestling and everything else, then when you're just standing there and, and boxing, it's a different sport. Yeah. And so there is an easy out of yeah, I got knocked out. So what? It was, it was I never boxed before. What do you, what do you, what do you want? So it, it's a weird spot for sure. Um, I'll say this: like I will be walking around Bourbon Street on Saturday. Hopefully, it's on at a bar. I can pop in and check it out. I'd, I'd watch it, but I'm certainly not going to go out of my way. My other worry is Anderson Silva tends to get into mocking during the fight, and uh, it did cost him at yeah. least one fight when he was jerking around against Chris Weidman in UFC, and Weidman actually caught him. So he, sh- I mean, he should slice if he's focused. He should. I know it, you know he's not an, a, a true boxing striker, but he should be able to destroy him with his speed. And Jake Paul is also fighting a guy finally who's you know legitimately his size, right? So I will say, watching the, uh, I finally got to watch the last couple episodes of Cobra Kai. So uh, people out there, season five, you don't want a spoiler. It's been out a while. Uh, turn off the radio. Maybe, maybe you already turned it off. <laughs> We're talking about Jake Paul. But, boy, Woodley, really, he was part of Terry Silver's goon squad. Boy, he really took it on the chin in the end and the yeah. finger. Yeah, it was, He got was... a samurai sword to the finger, which uh, I think he lost at least one or two fingers, blood squirting all over the place. And... Kind of got his ass kicked by Johnny, who's like what in his early fifties. Come on, sure. Woodley. Did that? Did that Jake Paul really? That Jake Paul fight really break you that much? Well, just again, Tyron Woodley way too focused on striking. Didn't stick to the takedown game, which is what got him here. He should have gone to the <laughs> ground. He didn't. Why didn't he take him down? I don't know. I was waiting for it. Just didn't happen. <laughs> what is he doing? Battleborn Sports Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Seven six six fourteen hundred. Coolfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's get to it. Sam Paniotovich is with us from Nesson from Fox Sports. Uh, survivor not kind to many this weekend, Sam. I'm dead, buddy. I'm dead. What'd you have? Patriots. Oof. Yeah, I saw that it took out, uh, what was it? I think there was 175 people out of the remaining 328, something like that. So you were with a lot of people on the Pats. We went down in flames, no doubt about it. To only make things worse, though, too, I went to the game with a bunch of diehard Bears fans and then had to drive said Bears fans back home from the game. Oh. It was like a 90-minute drive back from Foxborough. Everybody's excited about the Bears winning, which I guess deep down is cool, but I lost my shot at $6 million. So I'm just clenching teeth driving all the way home with a bunch of Wahoo Bears fans. What is your thought on on etiquette when somebody has money on something around you? My my thought is if somebody has bet their own money or they are a legitimate fan, that's fine. But if you have a big bet and you're around people and they're like, you know what, I'm going to cheer for this team today. Like, no, you can't do that. 
It depends on the situation. Full disclosure, I didn't tell these people that I had Patriots okay. in the survivor pool, and it okay. wasn't necessarily a big bet. I mean, the Circa entry is $1,000, and the payout is, of course, massive, sure. over $6 million. But it's not like it was known that I was rooting against the Bears. I also don't want to put myself in a scenario where I'm going to pregame and then drink during the game and then go home after the game with said Bears fans. Now, if I came out and said, look, I have – 25,000 on New England and people were openly rooting against me that would be a different problem but this one was more subdued because again I didn't want people to know that I was sort of being the wet blanket in a crowd full of Bears fans <laughs> yeah I, I meant more in general I usually don't tell people what I have I guess I'm more okay. private than most you know now if you're at March Madness and you're sitting at the Superbook with 10 friends and everybody knows you have Duke first half and everybody's rooting against you well then those people need to be slapped but I don't that's, think that's what I was getting at. Yeah, I you know, look, I, I think for the most part, unless it's a really big bet where you're stepping out, most people view your bets like they view your fantasy team. If that makes any sense. Like no, I don't I care. Agree. Like nobody cares about your fantasy team. You're the only person in the world that cares about your team. And a lot of people feel that way about your bets. But I think what you're getting at is if I had a monster Patriots bet and everybody was rooting against the bet, knowing that I had the bet, then we have a problem. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. What, By the way, you are there. What are they going to do about the quarterback situation? I don't think they know, to be honest with you. And I'm not one to second-guess Bill Belichick because the guy has more Super Bowl rings than I could ever imagine possibly having. But when you finally get the hot hand and a quarterback like Bailey Zappi, who comes in relief, covers at Lambeau against the Packers, and then wins the next two starts, how is it not a conversation? Like, how is that something that you don't double and triple think about? Bill just came out and said, look, when Mac is healthy, it's his team. Well, Mac came out and he freaking stunk last night. And I think this goes even bigger picture. When you think about a stubborn head football coach who's one of the best to ever do it, the red flags have sort of been here, Adam, all offseason when rather than bring in an offensive-minded offensive coordinator – he has a special teams coach and a defensive guy calling offensive plays. I, I think the whole situation is weird, and I can tell you because I'm sitting there at Gillette Stadium. When Jones started the struggle, the building was booing him, and then they started the Zappy chant. So then Zappy comes in, brings a spark, they start doing well, and then he didn't do anything in the second half. And now Bill, after the game, is like, yeah, well, you know, we'll figure it out. If you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Let's talk about the other side, the Bears. Your boy Ostrowski put out a tweet talking about the six-point differential. They're only minus six on the season. They're three and four. Uh, minus six is like 16th in the league. So does that mean the Bears are on the come here? Justin Fields is developing, and I should take the Bears plus 10 at Dallas. It's not a bad bet, to be honest with you, um, because they're going to move the football. And if you look at their schedule, honestly, you look at the three wins and the four losses, they've only really not been in one game. And, and you can make the case at Lambeau when they lost 27 to 10. I mean, that was one bad quarter. Um, you know, they gave up 21 in the second quarter. They were up at the end of the first seven to three and then turnover, touchdown, turnover, touchdown, I believe. Um, but they've been in every game since then. Um, you know, they go to the Giants, lose by eight. They go to Minnesota, lose by seven. They were tied in that game in the final minutes. The, the Thursday night debacle was a 12-7 final. So if they can stop the run, and they did pretty good last night at stopping the run, 
they'll be in that game against the Cowboys. The thing that makes me nervous is Justin Fields, Steve, has never really put back-to-back games together as a starting quarterback. He was very, very good last night. Can he do that against the Cowboys' pass rush? I have my concerns. I seriously do. And you look at that total, Chicago and Dallas, 43, already down to 42 offshore. So the market, I guess, early this week, looking to short offense between Chicago and Dallas, and that makes sense. What do you make of the Bills number now against the Packers, 11 and a half? I'll take the points because I'm stupid. I think you might be. I think I might be, too, if I take the point. The Packers, they might not come out of this. They might just be a seven-win team this year. Do you think they're going to get blown out? I think there's a chance, yes. I think there there is so much disconnect right now with what they're trying to do when they throw the ball down the field with uh, Rodgers and the receivers, and they can't find enough creative ways to get the ball to Aaron Jones. I mean, he had a great touchdown catch. Uh, they got him out of the backfield, but they really didn't get him going on the ground. I'm, 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 I'm not a Packers fan, but I'm legitimately worried. That, like, it's not changing for the Packers. They're not a good team. So I think the way to play this one, if you're looking, and I, look, I'll probably make my short list for the Super Contest. I'd probably take the points. Like, I'm not going to lay 11 points in the NFL against Aaron Rodgers. He's never been a double-digit dog ever. I think the way to look at it, you could take six and a half in the first half. If they're not in it early, they're not in it late. So, look, they're going to probably try and muck this up. They're going to run the football with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the first half, try and keep Josh Allen off the field. Uh, the Bills off a bye. That doesn't always work in your favor because they had a lot of rhythm going into the bye. Do they have that rhythm coming out? You don't really know. I think that, not that you ask, I think I might take the Packers in the first half at Buffalo. But, hey, let me let me be completely transparent with you. I got crushed this weekend. Absolutely crushed. I lost everywhere. I went 0-3 on Nesson, 1-3 on Fox, 1-3 on Chicken Dinner, 1-4 in the Super Contest, and I got eliminated from Survivor. So in a world where everybody just tweets out cash bags and check marks, I got smoked. And look, it'll be fine. It happens. But like I'm in that mental space right now on a Tuesday where I don't even want to look at the board right now. Yep, yep, yep. I, I lost on the Bucks too. By yeah. the way, shakes your confidence. It does. It shakes your. It shakes your confidence. Um, I want to. We talk about the sportsbook biz all the time, and Sam Paniotovich is with us. He's really good on this stuff. He works for Nesson, uh, works for Fox Sports. So I was in Indiana for Notre Dame and UNLV, and I was like, ah, you know what? Every state I go to that you know I haven't been to since uh, sportsbooks have become legalized, I always sign up for an account, and I signed up for FanDuel. And something I did notice uh, in that area. Man, because I was listening to the score out of Chicago, I would say the FanDuel ads versus DraftKings are like five to one in volume. And then I was watching on Sunday, and I swear, you know, during the NFL games, that FanDuel, same kind of pace, you know, out advertising DraftKings. What exactly is going on between those two books and and kind of their direction and how successful they are right now? FanDuel is growing and growing and growing. And as we've seen, they just basically took over TVG. With the Kay Adams Daily Show, McAfee's doing stuff there, Bill Simmons. They just found a basketball slot where they brought in Shams and I think Chandler Parsons to work. Um, I can't remember the female that's doing the show with them. Uh, it might be Rachel Nichols, but I, I don't don't quote me on that. But they are just spending. Beetle. Oh, Beetle. Okay, Michelle Beetle. There we go. Yeah. One, one former ESPN employee. I knew it was one of them. Yeah, yeah. But they are literally putting media first, second, and third on their pedestal like that's important like watch these shows that are sponsored by FanDuel now we have FanDuel TV they clearly have the money to spend in the space where DraftKings is sort of 
pulled back the, the curtain a little bit and showed you that they don't think it's worth it to spend. Well, you look at all the numbers in the industry, FanDuel is the biggest sports book in the United States per volume, per capita, all that stuff. So they feel like they're going to spend their way to the top. And, and hey, maybe that works. But I'm looking at, like, to bring this all full circle, somebody tweeted me at Chicken X Dinner and said, hey, dude, look at this. It is a FanDuel-created parlay with five picks. And FanDuel created this parlay. Like, they pretty much said, all right, right. here's the meal. Come yep. and get it. It was a 25-1 to parlay in the Bears and Patriots game. And almost 9,000 people bet that parlay. Wow. It didn't even come close. Of course. And like, but that's the reality. People see the payouts and yeah. they go, that could be me. And that's my, my issue with the entire space. The fact that these books are able to tweet out winning ticket slips, like, hey, this person bet $10 and won 30 grand, that builds it into your stupid brain mm -hmm. that you can do it too. Yeah. And the fact that FanDuel can build a five-team parlay, but it doesn't have to just be FanDuel, FanDuel, DraftKings, MGM, PointsBet, whatever. The fact that they can build a parlay that they know isn't going to win and say, hey, here it is, 25 to 1, and 9,000 people bet it, to me that's that's unbelievable that, that that's a thing. Yep. I noticed uh, every live read that I heard, promotional read, we do these in radio, uh, every live read on the score was for same-game parlay. And as they put it, if you can't find your own, we've got suggested same game parlays. I was like, wow, that is brilliant. Like people yeah. don't even have to work. They can see the, you know, the payout in front of them and see something sexy and they, they plunk down their money. Last couple of minutes here. Uh, update now on Alabama and national title hopes and college football playoff hopes. They win one game and here we go. All of a sudden those odds start to get slashed. I was on this show last week talking about them at 450, 475 to win the national title. We're getting closer to three to one now. I see 320, 330, 340. I'm telling you, man, you might not like Alabama, but if you like getting good numbers on teams that are going to run the table the rest of the way, this is a bet. I mean, you could still walk into a couple shops in Vegas and bet four to one on them to win the national title. They are double-digit favorites in the remaining four games. They're not losing. Old Miss, pff, LSU, come on. Like, these teams are not going to beat Alabama. Did you see them on defense on Saturday? Holy cow, it looked like Saban had just, like, locked them in a shed all week at practice and then let them off for the game. They won that game 30-6, to and they held a top 25 team to, like, 200 yards. Like, this team is going to correct these issues. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, but you're not going to find them at 4-1 to one going into the SEC title game when they face either Alabama or when they face either Georgia or Tennessee. I would still bet them to win it all at 4-1 to because they're going to make the playoff. Last 30 seconds, Sam Paniotovic is with us. What are you going to do with the World Series? I might bet a longer shot to win MVP. How about Kyle Schwarber at like 15-1? to one? Yeah. I like it. I mean, he's fun to root for. He hits home runs in big moments. He did it for years in Chicago, did it last year in Boston. You could find him. I think Circa's got 15 to 1. Shop around always, but that's a bet I could have fun with. You're not going to play the series? You're not going to go with uh, Mattress Mac? Oh, I hate Mattress Mac. We don't have enough time for that conversation. <laughs> I, I did it for you. Don't worry. Adam okay, explained good. the whole thing and the big win of potentially $75 million. So, Sam, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. See ya. All right, wish me luck this week, and i got to turn things around. Good luck. You will. At SP Shoot, does the podcast, Chicken X Dinner. Swerby? It's a fun guy to root for.
Kind of a Kessel-like body. Bryson Stott, MVP? That would be amazing. Do it up Do it up for the locals. Let's Seems go. like a so high zone. Yeah, I think the Astros uh, would probably be the better value on the MVP. It would find someone a little further down the list. Probably. Since uh, no one expected uh, Pena to do what he did. Well, some people expected him to do it. All right, that'll do it for this hour. Thanks to Arino for joining us. You can hear the entire three-hour show at lvsportsnetwork.com. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400.